Four-Year Inflammation is brought to you by the Wellington Police Department Paranormal Division. Whether you see or don't see something, say something. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Inflammation with Zach and John. Leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet. Welcome to For Your Inflammation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach Graham. And John Kaplan. And this week, we're bringing our April Fool's series to a close. Yes, we are still doing the April Fool's episodes. We took two weeks off because you know what? Fuck you. We don't owe you anything. And you know what? It's my show. It's still fucking April. I don't give a shit. Fuck May. Fuck the future. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, I I, I do this of my own good will. I do this uh I, you, you're not paying me we're hosted by rats rats this is a public service that we do we're like the library can you really get mad at the library's hours no you can't because guess what it's a free public service anyway so this week we're gonna close out that series that we started with what we do in the shadows from 2014 kind of a smaller time lapse than we we went from anchorman in like what 2004 to this only 10 years it's not a big 40 year difference like all the other ones were yeah it does bear mentioning though that there were absolutely no comedy movies also that came out between 2004 and 2014 and you know what i'm glad that we're starting to get shorter distances between these i think i think there should be one at least every fives right right this was actually a really easy series for us to do because there really have been only four movies maybe a fifth one coming up next year depending on if paramount gets their stuff together but uh (laughs) there really only have been four comedy movies ever made it's insane it is insane that it is like that (laughs) anyway so for what we do in the shadows i feel like most people are only like tangentially like aware of this one because there is a tv show based on it but i'm not sure if many people know that the movie exists but we'll get into that sean how did you feel about this movie i thought this was actually um i think it was a good pick i think that this was like right up my alley and that it it is a mockumentary style i find mockumentary to be pretty funny you know when it's like in a comedic context and not like a horror context because that's a totally different beast uh same animal different beast you know what i'm saying Uh, well i mean comedy and horror are two sides of the same coin have you ever heard that phrase yeah i think i have so like if you're if anyone's unfamiliar with that it's that essentially like comedy brings you to like the height of laughter whereas horror can actually bring you to like the depths of like you know terror that's Mm -hmm, what they're mm -hmm. both good at and it's kind of the same emotional scale so comedy and horror mix together really well because essentially they are the same thing that's also why like bad horror movies are so funny ah and bad comedies are so horrifying exactly like there's nothing more terrifying than watching someone try to make a joke and it's and it doesn't land like uh we were we started to watch uh, the pentavrit last night which is a mike Mm -hmm. byers new show and it's it's bad (laughs) like it's really like there are parts of it that are like humorous but most of it is just really unfunny and just it it seems as if anytime mike myers is trying to make it is trying to make a joke he doubles down on it if it's not funny somehow even though there's not a live audience watching it for him to double down on it's almost as if he knows that it's not funny and he's double down and double downing on it anyway that is a special kind of energy that i wish more people would bring to the table i mean you got i mean it, it takes balls to be like that it does take balls you said this is kind of up your alley like you kind of do like sort of british dry type humor correct 
Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And New Zealand humor is kind of in the same vein, but like, I guess it's a little different. It's a little more out there, which I mean, this movie is pretty out there. Oh, it's super out there. Like, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it as we go through the episode, but, um, you know, like New Zealand comedy doesn't usually make it over to the States very often. Like the only other thing I can realistically think of that made it over here was Flight of the Concords. Yeah, which was hilarious, uh, admittedly. Uh, I know there's a little bit of tie-in with some of the like same people behind it, same people writing it, you know, it, it, I'm sure we'll touch on that, but like that would definitely be an example of something that I found very funny. And mm-hmm. I guess that does then go to show that, yeah, I, I do find the New Zealand comedy style, I guess. If, the, if you could really put it all under one umbrella, then yeah, I do find that funny. I, I mean, I definitely enjoy it. Like anytime I've watched something out of New Zealand, I've definitely enjoyed it. Um, it, It's it's kind of odd, though, because like it seems like Australian humor, like Australian comedy films that also don't really ever make it over here. They seem to be more like in line with our sense of humor, whereas New Zealand seems to be a little more on the British side of things, which is kind of odd considering that they're just so close together and have like vastly different like just cultures. It's very it's kind of odd in a way. Yeah, I think you could say that Uh, they'd probably be a little uh, a little upset, you know, they'd be like, oh, we ain't so similar, mate, or uh, uh, you know, Dard or whatever, whatever they say. Oh, I, I don't I know. know. Is, is, is Dard still in vogue? <laughs> I don't, I have no idea. But I do know, I mean, I know that they, like, Australians and New Zealanders, like, they definitely want you to know that they're different and they are different. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that they are similar. So, sorry. <laughs> D- didn't it's, mean to offend anyone. <laughs> is New Zealand the Canada to Australia's USA? Um, I think that just about any other country would be upset at that comparison. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Canada is just America, except they lie about the shitty parts. Oh, that's I all see. it is. <laughs> I see. Do uh, you don't you don't think New Zealand has that energy at all? Um, New Zealand definitely. Like, <laughs> I, I just remember uh, the the biggest thing I remember about New Zealand recently is uh, during the COVID pandemic, they were one of the first countries to um pretty much like get rid of the. Uh, get rid of the virus <laughs> like they had like zero patients with covid well, and they were gotta... just like we're sending our kids back to school fuck you well yeah i mean they're on an island and if anybody's played like the plague inc or whatever like uh pandemic games like you know that the island nations are always the hardest ones to access because there's like one way in and one way out if they want there to be so like they don't, <laughs> they don't have those types of problems i i cannot believe that you brought up pandemic i i want to go play that now it's a good game <laughs> it's a great game yeah too it's soon a, but it's a great game as as far as far as flash games go it is the king of flash games 100 balloons tower defense 4 i never got into the balloons games i know people really liked it but i'm not into tower defense shit ah that's why we, we have on we have to move on um did you have a favorite character in the movie yeah peter, peter I, I have a feeling that was gonna be your favorite yeah peter was awesome he was terrifying <laughs> <laughs> i i definitely liked how they had like a nosferatu style vampire in there yeah yeah and how (laughs) it's just like totally out of left field like how like hyper realistic he is and how like actually terrifying he is just like everything else is kind of like oh hi i'm a vampire see i have teeth see like i i have like a suit you know that was made like 125 years ago and i don't know about it and then they open the thing up and there's fucking nosferatu and you're like oh my god that's like an act scary thing i'm looking at right now (laughs) <laughs> did so just because we talked about it last time did this one pass the the wife test did she enjoy this one as well yes she did watch all of this and enjoyed it awesome i'm glad I, is is this a new favorite for you 
Um, I don't know if I would call it a new favorite, but it is on my radar, and I think it does have potential rewatch value. Hell yeah. Okay, so bad segue time. So the other thing we do on this podcast is John makes a cocktail to go with all of the movies, because if he doesn't know anything about movies, he does know a lot about cocktails. And I'm very interested to see what you did for this one, because it's New Zealand, it's vampires. Uh, Which way are you leading with this? You know, I kind of of did a curveball here, right? Ooh. I was reminded at first when we started watching this movie of the age-old joke, right? Like, what does a vampire order at a bar? What? Bloodlight. <laughs> so that's what I did. I made a cocktail called Bloodlight. So so what I did here was like, okay, yeah, they're vampires. Yeah, 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 they drink blood. But like, they also do actually go out and, you know, I guess they drink at bars and stuff. That's that's kind of a thing they do, which is not something that all vampires in lore do. You know, like, uh, what is it, Bela Lugosi? I never drink wine. You know, like that whole thing, or like in um in uh in Twilight where they can't eat food or it makes them like violently ill or whatever. Uh, it, which it's is like kind that of, in here too. Yeah, that was kind of a gag they did, isn't it? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Cause he uh was that is that because he ate real food? Yeah, the the new vampire uh he ate real food and then he just throws up blood everywhere in an alley. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forget about that. I can't I can't be mixing up my vampire lore here. I had there's literally an Edward Cullen like figurine here that we pulled out of the closet. Like, I, I don't know why it's in my house. No, no, I do remember why it's in my house. This is a running joke that's been going on for the entirety of my relationship with my wife. Okay. Anyway, it's not part of the cocktail at all. It's just here, and it's funny that it's right here. I'm literally holding it right here, banging it against my printer. Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah, I'm flexing. I have my own printer. Now, can you print your own photos off that printer? Mm, yeah, but they look terrible. Oh, so you can't put the you can't put the photo paper in there? I don't know. I'm not 48 years old. Can you, um, can you use legal size paper in it? Uh, good question. I, yeah, probably. This is not the cocktail. (laughs) This is not even close to the cocktail. All right, Edward Cullen, let us know what's going on. All right. So, uh, what I wanted to do was, um, kind of mix together a Bloody Mary and a Michelada. Are you familiar with the Michelada? I think we've talked about this a couple times on the show. I don't listen to you when you're talking. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. (laughs) So I think just about everybody knows that the Bloody Mary is a cocktail that's like tomato juice based, which is kind of unconventional in that it's savory and all of the flavors in it are not sweet or sour which is well there's a little bit of tartness in there but it is strictly a part of the savory experience of the cocktail and um then there's the michelada so the michelada is different in that it is beer based and also has the tomato juice in it and also has some other savory flavors and kind of leans a little bit more into the tangy tartness so i kind of wanted to bring the two together and get like uh something maybe that is for the michelada drinker and for the bloody mary drinker um and also uses beer because that was something that i have not done an awful lot on this show is incorporate beer into cocktails i think the only other time in the top of my head that i can remember we did that was with rocky because we did the boiler maker with malt liquor which is technically not actually a beer yeah because like what what is i mean malt liquor is its own classification correct yeah i don't think there's any hops in malt liquor like they just use some of the beer ingredients Mmm, so beer light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So here's how you would make this cocktail. There's a little bit of prep work in that you're going to need a lot more ingredients than you do for other cocktails. So garnishing is really important because it could actually have implications on the way the flavor plays. So what I have done here is I got some fresh tomatoes and I got some fresh jalapenos and I chopped them up into, you know, just slices, discs, and I stacked them in a glass with ice. So you kind of put one or two pieces on the bottom, put some ice. One or two more pieces in the middle, put some ice, you know, and uh, stack it, put it in the freezer, save it for later. Uh, Then you're going to have on the side, ready to go, a can of Bud Light, 
bloodlight gotta have bloodlight really any kind of light lager will do but you know that's just that's a play on the name come on don't 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 harsh my vibe don't come in here and harsh my cocktail vibe <laughs> so have your blood light or your bud light on the side and then you're going to actually make the cocktail base so you're going to combine in a shaker a half ounce of lemon juice a half ounce of lime juice a half ounce of vodka two dashes of a neutral hot sauce now the hot sauce part of this is something that you can actually have fun with so kind of do this to your liking do this to your flavor preference because a bloody mary definitely has hot sauce and that's a major selling point of the cocktail but since we're doing something that's kind of got some mexican influence from the michelada side you can get really interesting with hot sauces in my case i use yucateco hot habanero which is uh, pretty spicy but has a lot of flavor to it it's got a lot of zing and that really played into the flavor really well so i did two dashes of a neutral hot sauce i want to say it was like a texas pete or something really basic you could use like a valentina or a cholula would be really good too uh, and then the two dashes of Yucateco, two dashes of celery salt, uh, one tablespoon of tahini. So if you're familiar with tahini, it's kind of like that sweet and salty chili mango lime flavored seasoning that people put on like uh, uh, different fruits and uh, other kinds of dessert items. Just the goddamn audacity of California. Look, man, look, I'm, I'm doing a thing here. Don't harsh my <laughs> cocktail vibe. Um, <laughs> you put in three and a half ounces of tomato juice and you're going to shake all of that together thoroughly, set it to the side, pull your glass back out. Okay, so... So you're going to put, I, I want to say about half, fill the glass about halfway full with the Bud Light, and then you're going to strain in the shaken cocktail ingredients over the top of the Bud Light. And if there's any room in the top of the glass, put a little bit more of that Bud Light in there, give it a stir, and garnish it with a uh, piece of cilantro, a stalk of cilantro. Okay, a stalk of cilantro. So for all of you uh, soap cilantro people, th this is a big fuck you. I'm still trying to find a person who knows they have the cilantro soap gene and chooses to eat cilantro anyway because they like the soap taste that person they're out there they're out there it's just like if you can think of anything it's out there what, what is that rule 47 or whatever uh i i don't know I stopped keeping track after rule 34 because I didn't like that one. Oh, rule 34. That's what I meant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Totally different energy. Not what we're doing here at all. Don't look that up on the internet. I mean, I guess if you're like 21 or whatever, you can. Do what's legal. Do what's right. Uh, do what look your mama told you. Look up magic school bus rule 34. You'll thank me later. Do not do that. Do not do that. <laughs> if you're going to do that, have like three or four of these blood lights first. Actually, no. Have two of these blood lights. Drink responsibly. Oh, we're going to drink responsibly now <laughs> yeah and i think with something like this it takes a little bit of time to make the drink i mean even for me i think it was like six or seven minutes of prep time to make the cocktail which is pretty slow uh there's a lot of steps to it but you get the slices of fresh tomato in there i use roman tomatoes you get the jalapeno in there freshly cut uh, i got the seeds in there too there's a lot going on in there there's a lot of flavors and there's a lot of texture too um which is not something that a lot of people are used to in a cocktail but again that that's kind of the bloody mary thing and i'm not really a huge bloody mary guy uh, i know some people even go as far as like blending the drink and ice together into like a smoothie type consistency and i have liked that before but i think for the sake of this cocktail bringing the michelada angle into it i would just stick to the ice and liquid base in the ice a traditional cocktail type thing but having that other stuff in there it makes it a, a busier cocktail and it's pretty fun that's awesome and i'm glad that you're making something for those people because people who drink bloody mary's regularly i don't know what to do for those people like yeah. it, it like it just seems it seems to be a very specific kind of person that likes these kinds of things like this is definitely a margaritaville type crowd i see what you mean uh, i think you might also get a bit of a crossover with like the scotch lovers crowd because uh, again scotch ah. has like a really kind of savory flavor in that it is pretty much always very smoky uh same thing with like people who like mezcal mezcal cocktails sometimes can be savory as well um i think maybe less so with the mezcal it's been a while since i had some mezcal i'm just not into the whole like 
drinking hot sauce with tomatoes and then alcohol like there's just something about that that just like makes my stomach churn a little bit that's what i thought too and i've only had a couple of bloody marys that i've ordered like you know while i was out and about or whatever and they're they're fine they're good but like it, it was never something that i always wanted to do at home this is actually the first time that i've made a proper bloody mary at home you know and i made a bloody mary in preparation for this cocktail just to kind of get a feel for how the process works interesting okay well I mean, you know, to each their own. I don't have to like it for you to like it. But no, but I will force you to drink it. God fucking damn it. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, just make sure <laughs> just make sure I have something to wash it down with because, like, I'm not a V8 person either. Uh, like, that's that's almost what I feel like Bloody Marys were made for. It's like, did you forget your V8 today? Have a, blo- have a V8 Bloody Mary. Yeah, it, it is kind of funny how that works. And I mean, even Bloody Mary, it's like a, it's like a vegetable juice cocktail. Like, if you're making Bloody Marys with V8, like, I, I don't know how like true to form that is like i know people do that but like i really don't know if that follows like if that tracks with the bloody mary thing could you is is a bloody mary just like vegetables cold vegetable soup with hot sauce in it not exactly because i mean if if you got tomato juice then it's it's kind it's kind of sweet like it's not entirely savory the other stuff that you add into it is necessary to get the effect of the bloody mary so like that's really the only vegetable ingredient unless you're garnishing it with vegetables like a lot of people will stick celery sticks into it or they'll do like a crazy kebab with the chicken finger or something on it which is really cool or like they'll put like shrimp on it or whatever you know and like that that's good and fun but like the shrimp makes sense to me yeah because it looks like a shrimp cocktail yeah exactly it's fun but uh, (laughs) like i said this the tomato itself is is not the uh that's not the the thing that makes the bloody mary experience i don't think i think it's like the worcestershire sauce and it's the other seasonings and salt and pepper and stuff that go into it that make it that um and i didn't use any worcestershire sauce in this one because i didn't want to take away from the uh the michelada experience because that is not a flavor that is ever present in michelada gotcha worst the shire sauce worst Estershire sauce Wor- <laughs> worst the worst sauce the worst literally the only sauce that doesn't take like it it is used for very specific purposes and if you're not using it for that specific purpose if your food is going to taste bad like you can't just put that on chicken fingers no no i would definitely not dip that you know w- but then w- again, I, I would use that as a condiment but then again i wouldn't dip chicken fingers in like soy sauce either i'd do that before for Worcestershire sauce. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like, okay, I guess this is a slightly more salty chicken, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, <laughs> that is the cocktail. Uh, Take it or leave it. Blood light. Hope you like it. Blood light. Blood light. Now it's time to move on to talk to someone who is also light of blood. Frank Synopsis. Welcome to the show again, buddy. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad you're here too, man. I'm sorry that we took two weeks off kind of, you know, without notice. Oh, no, that's totally fine. You know, I could always find something to do. What do you do when you're not on the podcast, Frank? Well, you know, sometimes I like to do my own little uh, Epcot-type experience there in Central Park. You know, it's warming up right now, which makes this kind of hard for some things. Uh, But fortunately, before it got too hot, I was able to do my own little New Zealand experience. Oh, did you actually get to go to New Zealand? No, of course not. No, I I did my my little local thing. I went and I yelled at the Australian embassy and I brought a bunch of sheep in the park. It was great. Oh, okay. Uh, Where are the sheep now? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it? Don't worry about it. Uh, oh, okay. Um, so if we're not going to worry about it, then, uh, Frank, did you get a chance to watch, uh, what we do in the shadows while you were either fucking or hurting those sheep? Oh, I sure did. All right, let's hear about it. All right. Vampires are on the loose in New Zealand. After centuries of living in secret, four vampire flatmates share their home and their lives with a documentary film crew. They fight where make new vampires, find love, and ignore their familiars. Perfect. Thank you, Frank. Um, feel free to do whatever you need to 
can do if you need to use the bathroom. Uh, we, we are running very low on the budget this season, so uh, we do not have any snacks for you, but you are more than welcome to use the bathroom. Oh, thank you very much. I uh, hope you got a mop ready. I, we need a maid. We need All to right, get a I'll maid in here. <laughs> John, can we see about hiring a maid for the studio? We, we don't. First off, we're sponsored by rats. Um, <laughs> we don't have like a budget to speak of. Uh, we don't even have craft services for Frank anymore. And by craft services, I mean craft singles set out next to the front door. They're warm too. But, yeah, they are. They're always warm. <laughs> but I, you know, it, it's wrapped. It's fine. <laughs> It's back. Fine. Oh, God. All right. Are you ready to learn something new about this movie, John? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's get going. So we're just going to give you some, like, you know, basic info here. This is like anything you could look up on Wikipedia. This is just so you know who the characters we're going to be talking about are. So this movie was directed by Jermaine Clement, who is famous for Flight of the Concords. Uh, he was the villain in Men in Black 3. And he's also the giant crab in Moana. It was also directed by Taika Waititi who is famous for directing Jojo Rabbit and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, he also directed some or most of The Mandalorian. Did he? I did not know that. I didn't know it either. Um, in preparation for a Disneyland trip that's coming up, I started watching it, you know, because I really only watched the like the first episode when it came out. Oh, man. Oh, you went to Disneyland. We're going to have to talk about that here in a minute. <laughs> well, haven't been to Disneyland yet. Only to California Adventure. And yeah, I guess we can talk. <laughs> Let's save it for when you go to Disneyland. Let's I, I want to. I want to I want to do a whole mini episode just shitting on you for actually going. Oh my god. I, I guess I had it coming. <laughs> This film was also written by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, produced by Taika Waititi, Chelsea Winstanley, and Emmanuel Michael. Uh, the film stars, I know this is going to sound shocking, but Taika Waititi as Viago, Jermaine Clement as Vlad as Vlad the Poker. I'm just going to go with Vlad the Poker because it's like Vladislav, like something that I'm 98% sure they named the character that just because it would be hard to read. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Jonathan Bro as Deacon, Corey Gonzalez McCrure as Nick, Stu Rutherford as Stu, and uh, Reese Darby as Anton. Uh, Reese Darby was also in Flight of the Concords. Yeah, no, Reese Darby is, uh, he's, he's, he's a fun guy. I'm pretty sure he's also on a UFO podcast. He is. Uh, he does a lot of interesting stuff. He has some pretty good stand-up specials, if you ever have the chance. I think they're all on uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. Not sponsored. Should be. No, should be, yeah. Sponsored <laughs> by Red. Help us. <laughs> Please help us. Help uh, that us help you. That brave little toaster goes to Mars VHS money is not coming in. No, uh, it's not. <laughs> they never paid us. So uh, the music was by a band called Plan 9. So John, I think you know a little bit about a band called Plan 9. Yeah? <laughs> Are you going to out me right now? I'm going to out you right the fuck now. You were in a band in high school called Plan 9. I cannot confirm or deny that Plan 9, the band, had anything to do with this movie. We were in retirement by 2014. <laughs> I was going to ask, is this you? Like, did you score this movie and not tell me? Man, if I had, though. If you had, though, in an alternate universe... John would have done the music for this movie. Yeah, um, imagine that. Imagine. Uh, so this was distributed by Madman Entertainment in New Zealand and Australia and by Univision slash Paladin in the United States. Uh, it was released on January 19th, 2014 at the Sundance Film Festival, um, June 19th, 2014 in New Zealand, and that did not come out in the United States until February 13th, 2015. So what's up with the gap there? That That's like a almost a year from the Sundance release to the wide release in the US. It, it It's insane. We will get into it. Ah. So the budget for this film 
it was $1.6 million, and its box office return was $7.3 million. Uh, they didn't make this to make money, but they did end up having some profit. That's good, and especially with the cost being that low, because, you know, we'll talk about this pretty often, where it's like a movie doubling its budget in box office return is, like, not considered, like, a, like, home run success. But, I mean, if you do the math, I mean, this is, like, what, more than quadruple the budget? Yeah, and they didn't really spend a whole lot on advertising, so I'm sure they did make out like bandits on this one. That's good, even if it is, you know, a relatively modest sum. It is. <laughs> anyway, so in order to talk about this movie, I think it's important to talk about kind of the history of of the mockumentary film and or TV show because it actually is a very interesting kind of history. So this is a very brief, well, as brief as it can be, intro to mockumentary. There will be a quiz at the end. I'll take notes. (laughs) Okay. So a mockumentary is usually a a satirical form of entertainment meant to poke fun at the documentary format or use documentary devices to tell a story or comment on current events. Uh, Mockumentaries are often improvised to keep with the feeling of reality so it's not necessarily scripted like they may know where it needs to go but it's not it's not completely scripted i see because like you figure if you're filming an actual documentary you don't really script a lot of a documentary's filming process you just kind of have i need to exhibit this i need to exhibit this and i need to exhibit this and that's the order in which i want to present it at least you're not supposed to i'm looking at you netflix documentaries oh yeah are you not looking at him morgan spurlock listen i want to like morgan spurlock he's just such a shit lord um (laughs) let's move on uh there is a distinction between mockumentary and pseudo documentary a pseudo documentary uses the same gimmick but isn't intended to be dramatic so i guess if you really wanted to go for it like cannibal holocaust cannibal holocaust would be more of a pseudo documentary Uh, i see what you mean yeah because i mean they are using the documentary film style as a vehicle for what they're doing they're not making fun of it at all no it's it's supposed to be taken seriously but it is in fact fiction um a less gross version of this would be uh, the newsreel segments in citizen kane those could be considered like the first form of pseudo documentary marginally less gross marginally less gross it's still about billionaires and billionaires are disgusting watch the purge yeah they also haven't uh really fully explained what rosebud actually means and depending on the meaning of rosebud could really change the context of all the <laughs> things that happen in the movie rosebud is the name of the sled it's also coincidentally what i call my butthole there you um, go see you've already you just did it you just made it almost as disgusting as cannibal holocaust <laughs> so another- now there's a dying man talking about his butt <laughs> look listen if if i'm dying i'm gonna talk about whatever the hell's on my like fucking decaying mind <laughs> and if it's my butthole then it's my butthole and you know what if you love me you'll deal with it because guess what i'm probably not gonna be here in 15 minutes so just listen to what i have to say even if it's nothing good there you go you can at least give me the 15 minutes in death that you didn't give me up until this point i've been working on this tight 15 my whole life Oh my god, (laughs) this is it. Okay, so docudrama is another form of this that we should talk about. It's like it's like a real documentary that uses footage. It's supposed to invoke some sort of emotion or tell a real life story. This would be like reality show, like Keeping Up with the Kardashian, like that kind of thing. Yeah, that's kind of a yeah. Like, is it real? Like, is it you could consider a documentary style, but like, is it not like it's not educational? It's not expository. It's just kind of following a story that is actively in progress. It is a documentary that is meant to be entertaining, which I'm sure most documentaries are meant to be entertaining 
interesting, but some are meant to be educational. And that's kind of what we're trying to like. That's the that's the distinction I'm trying to make here. Is like this is not supposed to be educational. I see. I see. So um, <clears throat> the earliest examples of mockumentary emerged in the 1950s when stock footage came, became available. Gotta love that because nobody ever filmed anything before 1950. Absolutely not. Any anyone who tries to tell you any different is lying. Thomas Edison did not invent movies. No, of course not. Yeah, of and, course uh, not. All footage is stock footage if you just fucking steal it. <laughs> Anything can become stock footage depending on how willing to go to jail you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the first notable mockumentary was a short piece for the BBC Current Affairs program Panorama called The Swiss Spaghetti Harvest on April 1st, 1957. This is another one of those nebulous rosebud things that depending <laughs> on what you mean by Swiss Spaghetti Harvest could take on a completely different angle. Yes, you know, I mean, the Swiss have been known to harvest organs. I guess that could be, I guess that could be considered a spaghetti harvest. Don't like that at all. <laughs> Don't like that at all. Spaghetti Western, it's spaghetti harvest instead. <laughs> anyway, so this was done as an April Fool's joke, just like this whole month of movies that we've been covering. The short detailed a family harvesting spaghetti from spaghetti trees after a mild winter. Hmm. Uh, this was considered a big hoax because most people did not understand that it was fake and that spaghetti was from flour and water because in I guess still in the what did I say the 1950s um, spaghetti hadn't really made its way over to England somehow I guess they were too busy eating uh, blood sausages I I find this hard to believe in some ways and not at all hard to believe in other ways this is like Infowars before Infowars where it's like something that's like okay or or like, uh, what is it, uh, Coast to Coast AM, where it's like, clearly there are reasons to believe that this could not be true. <laughs> but like, sure, yeah, you're taking this seriously enough for me to entertain it for a second. White people ignoring other white people, a history. I um, just love how they, ha- they had the need to put in the, in the plot there that there's a mild winter, which suggests that Italy is in fact the best place to grow and harvest spaghetti. <laughs> I wish spaghetti grew on trees, man. I'd be, I'd have so many spaghetti trees. Spaghetti Maybe. tree. Imagine how stinky that would be. I mean, it's not like it. It comes off of the tree. Like I, I watch a bit of the short because not all of it has survived. Um, it's like dry pasta noodles. Like I mean, like they're cooked, but they're dry. It's not like it's like growing the sauce as well. It's not like you have an Alfredo oh. and like a vodka sauce tree. It doesn't have like a little seed pod on it that you pop open and dump the sauce out of it like a can of ragu. <laughs> I'm offended that you said ragu. <laughs> ragu. Ragu sounds like a like an anime character whose power is like shooting spaghetti out of his belly button i just like ragu it just it, just, it sounds like it's a dip like it's not technically pasta sauce it's ragu i could, no, just, yeah, just like how velveta isn't actually cheese it's velveta god damn not sponsored don't want to be, be. <laughs> don't want to be i don't want ragu to sponsor us what about velveta you take a velveta sponsorship i will take a velveta sponsorship for like a lifetime supply of velveta mac and cheese because god damn it if my wife doesn't ask me to make that all the time all right we have to move on i i I, people call (sighs) move on move on we gotta move on so the mockumentary format took off in the 1960s uh notable mockumentaries of this era would be like a hard day's night starring the beatles um interestingly the ruddles released a mockumentary called all you need is cash this in itself is a parody of hard day's night so it is a mockumentary parody of a mockumentary i 
I don't know. Can a hard day's night be a mockumentary when the like the only thing they didn't do was just show how they were playing in strip clubs for half the time they were in Germany? No, I mean, it is a mockumentary of sorts, even though it is highly scripted. It, it's like it's supposed to. You're supposed to watch it as if this is a day in the real life of the real Beatles. But isn't day in the life already a Beatles thing? We we have to move on. This episode is already too much for my fiance. All right. <laughs> so the term mockumentary started in this era but was not popularized until the 1980s with the release of this is spinal tap and was used by director rob reiner in promotional interviews uh spinal taps another one of those things people don't realize is actually not a real documentary yeah people seem to think it's real like the band actually did tour but i mean just in the way of like tenacious d tours yeah or like steel panther exactly like they are it's real music they are actually making music but it is not intended to be listened to like real music it is ironic music <laughs> it is it is music for the sake of being music um so this brings us to the present where it seems like in the late aughts and early 2010s you couldn't get away from the mockumentary format like shows started coming out like the, the office parks and rec modern family trailer park boys reno 911 um it's like it's just it was everywhere and yeah. there's still kind of some but it's definitely died off it's it has come up a little bit i think they Maybe they just kind of knew when they jumped the shark, you know, like when they got the uh, the Black Pete thing in the office and they're like, we got to dial this back a little bit. Or, you know, Parks and Rec, they used the Detlef Shrimp joke one too many times. It's like, you got to stop. You got, you got, we got to, we got to dial this back. We got to, we got to rein this thing in. We got, we got to bring, we got to bring this Type 15 to an end before it goes off the rail. Jesus. But it is starting to kind of come back with uh, Abbott Elementary and the spinoff of this film, What We Do in the Shadows. Ah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it is starting to come back a little bit. And I think, I think the rule is there can be two you can have two mockumentary shows on the air at the same time but that no more of this like every show is a mockumentary right 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 right. all right so that's that does it for like the little brief history of mockumentary just so you know what you're getting into with this movie now let's talk about something that i think john's going to be very excited about we're going to talk about vampire rules mm, the best i mean what what group of people needs rules more than nigh immortal blood-sucking parasite people i mean it's it just goes to show you dude like you gotta have structure even if you live for eternity you have to have structure in some way yeah just like dick chain jesus christ when is that man going to die probably never he's he is part of the immortal team that used to be made up of him betty white and uh keith richards but unfortunately we lost betty white yeah we also lost uh bob dole we did lose bob dole I don't I don't know how to feel about that, but you know, it is what it is. Thank you for your service. I I okay. <laughs> almost so let's talk about vampire rules so almost every vampire movie has rules about what vampires can and can't do this movie is no exception so Waititi and Clement explained that the vampires are so powerful so they must have weaknesses to keep it interesting yeah or uh, else you end up with a Superman type character and people don't like that for some reason yeah you don't want to do John Carpenter's vampires John Carpenter's vampires watch it it's bad um <laughs> most of the rules for this vampire universe are the same as most 80s and 90s vampire moody movies uh most notably the lost boys ah uh, yeah i haven't seen that one either god 
Damn it. Okay, fine. It's on the list. I'm adding it to the list. Okay, okay. I had that one coming. <laughs> the rules are as follows. If sunlight hits their skin, they burst into flames like Peter. Little over the top, but I like it. I loved it. It's just, it, it, it was just, it was so much more over the top than the already over the top stuff that was already happening. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's a major drawback. You do? Yeah, because like, not, not for the movie, but for the vampires, like, you know, canonically, like, to burst into flames if you are exposed to sunlight because you have to imagine their skin must be so dry oh yeah for sure need that vitamin d <laughs> get that vitamin d i'll get i'll get some vampires of vitamin d anyway this must uh, they- end <laughs> we cannot do that ever again <laughs> hashtag cancel this cannot stand <laughs> hashtag cancel for your information what, what what will our 200 listeners do yeah um, what will our sponsor i guess they're sponsors they are rat plural <laughs> we are sponsored by big rats Ooh. <laughs> rats at large uh, so the some of the other rules are they have to be invited into places classic so, classic classic uh, they cannot swim in salt water uh, this is more of a problem in the series than it is in the movie but it is a rule they set out for the movie um, if they eat human food they will vomit or become very sick uh, Waititi Waititi has made the, made it an official canon rule that the vampires can suck the blood from leeches if they were on a human but they cannot eat the flesh of the leech itself what an interesting and specific rule someone must have asked him and he was like you know what fuck you i'll I'll make it complicated i I think if like a like a plasma bag from like a blood bank has to be like a capri sun for a vampire then the leech has to be a little nickel nip candy (laughs) wax thing that you just pop the end off of I hate this. You hate that he 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 took the time to put leeches into the canon of vampires. <laughs> Speaking of something amusing is uh the vampires in the movie cannot blaspheme, so they'll say uh oh my goodness instead of oh my god, which implies the real existence of god, which in itself is amusing. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about uh we're talking about a universe here where there are vampires, right? And they are literal like, you know, ancient demon type creatures like Peter's been around for like 6,000 years and like that is fine, you know. They have these mind control powers, that's fine. All this like ethically dubious stuff, but also yes there is a god presence around that is powerful enough so that they just cannot even say the name god just like me i have a hard time saying the word god <laughs> vampire stop here vampire um so let's bring this on home let's do what we always do here let's talk about the production of this movie which i actually had to go digging for some of this which was kind of interesting the characters came from concepts from ytt and clement after they both discovered their mutual fascination with vampire movies uh they filmed the short also called what we do in the shadows interviews with some vampires in 2005 hmm, interesting that's such like a that's such a new zealand title it is it's so long it is and it's like not it's like specific but like not that specific because it could be an interview with a vampire it's like ooh, and then like interview with black dracula ooh, interviews with some vampires it's just like some vampires like yeah, we just they're, they're we found them we they're yeah. here what, what do you want come watch it yeah not specific <laughs> enough for you to know them by name but they they're here. They are him. <laughs> so uh, this was used to sell the film and was picked up by the New Zealand Film Commission. Uh, Stu Rutherford was cast in the film kind of 
unbeknownst to him. Huh. He was a non-actor and an IT technician. Uh, he's a childhood friend of Waititi. He was told that he was hired to do computer work for the film and possibly be a bit part. Uh, most of his scenes were done in one take, so he wouldn't be suspicious that he would be a part of the main cast. That's actually hilarious. It's, it's kind of awesome, honestly. <laughs> like, he didn't know he was in the main cast of the film until the premiere of the film. That's, <laughs> he was like, that's oh, actually I was, hilarious. I was in this way more than I thought I was. Yeah, just like Bill Lugosi in Plan 9 from Outer Space, except he was fucking dead. Oh, God. Poor, is that his last film role? I think it actually is, and only because they use B-reel footage. God, Edward, I wish you were a good director. I really do. <laughs> I tried. I tried to like it. Yeah, different vampire movie. <laughs> different, weirder vampire movie somehow. Um, YTD based his character on his mother, and Clement ba based his on Gary Oldman in Dracula from 1992. Uh, and as we talked about earlier, Peter is, of course, Nosferatu. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> so, an interesting thing about Peter, uh, a lot of the scenes of Peter were, a lot of scenes of Peter were filmed of him doing, like, really normal things like listening to music with headphones. Uh, they filmed these just to make up for the fact that the Peter makeup was so expensive that they couldn't justify having him in the film if they didn't at least try to make other bits for him to do. Interesting. So like, it, it, it couldn't just be a one-off because it costs too much for them to do. So like when he's in the makeup, they're gonna film a whole day with him in the makeup. Exactly. That makes sense. It makes that sense. Tracks. Like, <laughs> it tracks. I get it. Uh, so the film is 95% improvisation. Uh, Clement and Watiti wrote around 150 pages of what the tone and scenes of the film should be, but they never shared it with the cast crew or anyone for that matter. This was to kind of keep up with the mockumentary style and keep the actors on their toes. Ah, uh, gotta do that. Vampires love to walk on their toes. <laughs> Vampire? Do vampires walk on their toes? Like, I feel like if you're gonna walk on your toes in order to be silent, why wouldn't you just levitate? They're always creeping around, and you're right, they could do that, but, like, I don't know. You can't You can't just be impossible to beat, you know? You gotta give them a, a chance. That's what makes it fun. So, like, do you think levitating and, like, using their other vampire powers hurts the same way, like, it hurts Wolverine to pull his claws out? Uh, probably not that way, uh, just because they're not, you know, rupturing their body every time they do it. Um, I would say it's probably more like a Jedi, you know, like, I, again, to do the whole, like, I watch the Mandalorian thing. You know how, like, little, uh, what's his name, Grogu, the, the little Yoda dude? Yeah. He, uh, like, like, he'll use the Force, but he'll pass out afterwards because it's, it's like, too much energy for him to do anything real with it. <laughs> yes, I know Grogu, that thing that you literally can't go into any store without seeing. God, have you seen the little, like, uh, you know, Know, like animatronic ones yes i have and it's terrifying oh yeah 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 um it's a lot so yeah like you know like jedi they like you know use their, their force powers or whatever and it makes them tired you know it's, it's probably like that if a vampire uses their power too much they get tired they need more blood <laughs> jesus well i guess not jesus i guess it would be uh goodness goodness uh, yeah <laughs> um you know just like yoda he needs more blood god which yoda. is funny because count dooku played by christopher lee also played dracula in all the hammer horror films and that he's count dooku Count Dooku. Coincidence, Dooku, Dracula starts with the D. Count Dooku, Count Dracula, Christopher Lee, think about it. And they kill him in the way that you would kill a vampire too because they cut his head off. That's big fact. Uh, big George facts. Lucas, somebody was a big old fan. <laughs> 
Good lord, we have to move on. Um, so the hill that the vampires fight the werewolves on is the same hill used in Fellowship of the Ring where Frodo hides from the Black Riders in the tree roots. I'm shocked that... Well, I feel like you could just throw a rock in New Zealand and hit something from a Lord of the Rings movie. I mean, New Zealand is only like, what, six miles long? I mean, they probably used all of it. Six miles long? That's tiny. I, I don't I don't know how big New Zealand is. It ain't that big. It's 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 way bigger than what I just described, but it is, it is a very small nation, but a very cool nation. I would like to go one day. Yeah. Um, and the last thing is, in a deleted scene, the vampires threw a body into a river as a funeral service. Uh, the fake corpse was realistic. Mm. Uh, the body started floating down river at a speed that no one in the cast or crew could catch it. So they actually had to put out a press release to make sure that everyone knew that if they found the body, it was fake. That's great. I'm so <laughs> happy for them. This is, again, like the most New Zealand way to, to handle the problem, where you're just running down the side of this river to be like, oh, no, hey, oh, we gotta, oh, we gotta get it. <laughs> they're just running down trying to get the corpse and they're like just call the police just let them know it's not real <laughs> it's good it's it's awesome like you can definitely tell that like everyone who made this movie like you could tell they're friends like this it seemed like everyone was having a really good time making this yeah so let's talk about the release a little bit so the film did not initially perform well in new zealand so the u.s release was initially canceled really yeah so that's why there's such a big gap uh the film was brought to the u.s via a kickstarter campaign and shown regionally in LA and New York. Uh, the film grossed two million at the New Zealand box office and three point four million in the U.S. Um, this actually led to something interesting happening. So the buzz and unavailability of the film in the United States actually caused it to be heavily pirated. In fact, it was the most pirated movie of 2014 with over two hundred twenty-seven thousand downs. And that's the thing about you know internet, you know intellectual property piracy is that they keep excellent metrics of all of the illegal activity. <laughs> exactly because like if i'm going down you're going down <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the success of this film actually led to multiple spinoffs, if you can believe that. Um, I do. <laughs> so, Watiti actually filmed the 2014 Wellington tourism promotion in character as Viago. Oh. And uh, starting in 2016, a spinoff about the Wellington PD was released called, of course, Wellington PD. And it airs in New Zealand and is not truly localized to the U.S. in any meaningful way. Like, well, you, you can the internet, you can get that VPN, you know, you can look at all the inappropriate internet content from overseas that you want exactly uh it seems like it's pretty easy to get a vpn sponsorship like i use surfshark they should just sponsor us hey surfshark reach out you know we got people uh we got friends in germany you know they love vpn uh we got friends in dublin they they love vpn we, we have, have friends, friends in, in moscow Ru they really like vpn uh i think they actually probably hate vpn but anyway uh you should definitely sponsor us so we have friends in low high and uh mostly in the middle places yeah mostly mostly in the middle places <laughs> um so in 2000 18 fx picked up a television adaptation of what we do in the shadows going by the same name uh, the show the show takes place in the same universe in the film but follows different vampires because hmm, um, we do know there are multiple vampires based on the the vampire ball exactly and there is a vampire ball in the show but there's also a council of vampires gotta have that uh gotta have that twilight style exactly and that all takes place in new york city uh all the vampires from the film version have made various cameos in the show and clement and ytt also produced the show does peter make an appearance in the show or is he canonically dead this is getting complicated he is canonically dead okay but there is a spiritual 
successor character that exists within the show. If you haven't watched the show, I do highly suggest it. It's really funny. And if you liked the movie, you're going to love the fucking show. Good, good. Yeah, so uh, I, I think you can watch it on Hulu. Uh, FX Next on Hulu, I guess is whatever they're calling it. Uh, Hulu, sponsor us. And by that, I mean Disney. <laughs> Yeesh. Yeesh. <laughs> so uh, Jonathan Bro uh, debuted in an hour-long one-man show called Deacon the Vampire, 188 Years of Bullshit in 2020. That's a uh, that's spectacular title. I love that. I love that. I love that they all do things with these characters, but just separately, never together. That's <laughs> it, it, just a part of the the. That's a part of the cinematic universe they're putting together. I love it. It, it really is a cinematic universe. It's very strange. Um, so there is a piece that has not been released yet. It's like a spinoff film that has been in the works for years called uh, What We Do in the Moonlight that would follow the werewolves from the movie. That's gotta be fun. Uh, When asked in 2019 about the film, uh, Waititi said that if it does get made, they're actually going to change the title to Werewolves. I don't think you can do that because of the way that the furry community has come out of the darkness. I want to tell them to go back, but at the same time, I'm like, do I actually care? I do I actually you, care? <laughs> you can't honor them with the attention if you're not trying to actually, you know, be party to it. I I don't have to give them attention, but I don't have to hate on them either, do I? No. Uh, is it possible for us to uh, to do a live show at Rainforest? Is that a thing they still do? What the fuck is Rainforest? It's like a convention of furries. They got banned from like a bunch of different hotel chains. I don't know. It's, you look it up on YouTube, you know, if you're sound of mind and body. I, how did TumblrCon not work out, but Rainforest did? Because they have drive, if nothing else. Like, have you seen some of the weird, like, furry, like, music video parodies that they come out with? No, because I am not like that. <laughs> I'm not like that either. It's, like, I have a couple of friends that, like, just send me weird shit because they know it upsets me. Yeah. <laughs> you're one of them, but, like, am, never like yes. that. <laughs> I also send things purposely to upset you as well. So that is a big fact. It goes both ways. So let's close this out with some words from YTT himself about Werewolves. Um, He said that Werewolves is the film that Jermaine and I keep pretending that we're making. Every couple of years we say that we're making this new film called Werewolves, which follows the werewolves from the film. I feel bad to even mention it now because we keep saying it, but it's like my dad saying, yeah, I'll be home for Christmas. I suppose we're just two dads out on the road enjoying our lives and going, we're not coming home for christmas we'll send a postcard it's not like we don't want to come home for christmas we would like nothing more but we have a lot of shit going on when are you going to die do you have a deadline before your death i guarantee it before then five years ten years it took us seven to write the first film so you do the math that was a sad thing to say i i'm i'm glad i just now realized that we're wolves is a play on the spelling of werewolves Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I can't believe it took me like several minutes to piece that together because I'm looking at it right now in front of me on the screen right now. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was clever, but you know. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. It's definitely the type of thing I'm about. I just can't believe I didn't see it before now. There's a lot of th- like there's a lot of rewatch value in this movie and the show because there's like little things that you'll catch after the first viewing that you're like, oh, <laughs> or like, you know, sometimes when something just goes over your head and because it just happened too fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like, on the second or third view, you go, oh. That, that's the kind of shit I like. I like stuff that, like, actually requires multiple viewings to, like, fully get everything out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, Citizen Kane, Rosebud. Exactly. Like, Fast and Furious 8. I only need to watch that once. I don't even think I really watched that once. I think that you're, you're glossing over so much 
much of the the artistry that goes into uh, making car pornography. Oh yeah, for sure. No, a lot of people work very hard on those movies. Um, they are very calculated to make a lot of money, and for that, I mean, like, I can't hate on that. It, is it something I would want to make? No. Is it something I want to watch? No. Am I happy that they're making money? Eh? Yeah, yeah, just like Rainforest. God, no, I... <sighs> Whatever happens between consenting adults, I don't give a shit about. But don't expect me to think that it's not weird. Rosebud. Rosebud. That's my fursona. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Oh, let's just, let's just go ahead and bring this to a landing. I can't, I can't talk about furries anymore. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, John, did you enjoy learning more about what we do in the shadows? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I am surprised I hadn't seen this movie before. It definitely seems like something I would have seen at the time it came out, for sure. Yeah, that's... That's, what, that's why I picked it. I was like, you know what? I love this movie. My fiance, this is one of my fiance's favorite movies, which is surprising to me because before we started dating, she didn't really like horror at all. But mm. now her two favorite movies are this and The Shining. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, for sure. Yeah, this one, like, yeah, this is like horror adjacent. The Shining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's just kind of interesting. And, like, so, like, it's a, it's very much a, um, it's very much a thing that we just love in our house. Like, we have a, um, <laughs> I found it on Etsy. I bought it for for Christmas last year it's like a um it's a painting of a Jermaine Clement's face on that cat from that scene where they're chasing around the new vampire ah <laughs> we have that in our house because it's just one of our favorite things yeah kind of like for a while there uh, my wife had the um the picture of Mona Lisa with Pepe the frog face I love that uh, do you still have that <laughs> no I think you gave that to Chris mm, okay yeah no he'll be making an appearance on here before too long one of these days one of these days one of these days where like <laughs> I know I've done episodes without you but you've never done an episode without me so that would be interesting we should do that one day <laughs> yeah no we definitely will have to I mean in that vein you know since we're kind of bringing this in for a landing uh maybe you having some big stuff coming up recently uh maybe you doing a collaboration maybe we'll have somebody on the podcast uh maybe we'll be going on another podcast you know there's a bunch of stuff in the works right now we're really excited for all of that we're very excited and we want you to bring you and your stupid fucking friends along for the ride so if you haven't told your stupid fucking friends about us tell them if you're just now hearing about us tell everyone who cares put it on your facebook page it's just a blank wall that you scream into no one actually reads it or cares about it just just so just why not put us on there instead of posting like you know a recipe for cinnamon rolls which fuck you just go to cinnabon that's why cinnabon exists yeah or just Just, go literally anywhere else on the internet exactly so just you know if you want to shout us out uh actually one of the best ways you can do that if that sounds like a little too social for you uh you can actually just go and give us any kind of positive review on uh apple Podcasts. uh we prefer five stars but you know if you think we're more of a four-star podcast you know okay i get you you know what we're not for everybody i'm not everybody's cup of tea you're probably not my cup of tea either so whatever uh but if you're gonna give us like a three or one star review uh just fuck you just don't even just don't even bother just you know what just come murder me actually i'd rather that um <laughs> big big if true big, big if, if he true. means that <laughs> are you issuing a challenge like a duel oh no i will put up no fight <laughs> Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Who wants to live in this world anymore? Um, anyway, so <laughs> if you could just give us a five-star review, because actually what it does is it allows more people to see us. We'll get suggested more. Um, apparently people suggest us on Podbean a lot. I don't know what Podbean is, but I'm going to figure it out. Rosebud. Rosebud. Can we, can, can we just start our own podcasting platform called Rosebud? Oh, now there's an idea. Yeah. Hell yeah. If you can't make success on your own and make other people invest in your success invest in your own success develop an app develop an 
application for people to download on their phone and then put in the secret folder so they don't actually have to look at it so they don't have to remember that they haven't listened to all those podcasts they wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so for four year information, I'm Zach Graham. And I'm John Cap. Watch a new movie this week. Watch a new vampire movie. Did you there's a shit ton of vampire movies. If you ever watch a vampire movie, watch any of them. Uh even if it's Twilight, I don't give a shit. Twilight's cool, I guess. At least the first one. It's at least laughably bad. <laughs> See you guys.